0: Welcome to The Slip, an Atlanta sports podcast for the true ATL. And I am the host, Brandon Baird. You can follow me on Twitter at Bairdian underscore slip. What is going on, y'all? We have a lot to get into today. We are going to have a little bit of Falcons talk as I get into a little bit of the draft. As the draft is about a month away. Uh, I'm going to give you some quick hits about the Hawks, Atlanta, United, and Atlanta, and then I will give you my final thoughts. But first, I got to tell you who I'm slipping on. You don't want to piss them off. Here is what he's slipping on. I'm slipping on the critics. I'm slipping on the oversimplifying baseball fans, and particularly... I'm slipping on those Phillies fans. Because how does it feel? At some point, the numbers were going to come back into the Braves' favor. As you know, the Braves started off 0-4. There was a little bit of worry around the clubhouse, or at least around the fans. Definitely no worry around the clubhouse. They remained confident. Um, I encourage you all to read a Dave O'Brien article that was great. that just talks about the team chemistry about them going 0-4 and, and how that's not going to affect them because of the team chemistry that they do have. But you know another reason why they were not worried as a team? It's because they were hitting the ball hard and it just wasn't working out for them. So after that 0-4 start, of course being swept by the Phillies and losing game one to the Nationals. Uh... Due to the bullpen giving up some runs late in that game, they were able to sweep the doubleheader that was on Wednesday. And then they were able to take game one in the home opener eight to one, where they made a statement about, hey, that first series, that wasn't a team. That's not the outcome. That will continue to happen. With a team like this, who continue to barrel the ball. And as the season progresses, I think that bats are only going to get better and better. Some of those players that you're counting on to produce, such as Austin Riley and Christian Pache, they are going to start becoming a little bit more comfortable. And I think they will grow and progress as players. We are nowhere near the ceiling that we're at for the Braves. But the reason why I'm slipping on the Phillies fans is because they looked at this sweep of the Braves and one thought that their team was any good and then two thought that the Braves were actually bad. When in all actuality, the games were very close. Two of those games could have gone either way. The Phillies won 3-2, 4-0, and 2-1. The 4-0 game, Wheeler dominated. I don't think the Braves could have won that one. But that 2-1 game? Yeah. The Braves could have won that if they would have done a little bit better with runners in scoring position. And game one? I don't know if the Braves would have exactly won that. But it might have continued in extra innings if Ozzie Albies did not hesitate. But the biggest thing about that series... And here's where we're going to get into a little bit of the statistics of the situation. Is that the numbers that Philly produced were overachieving. And the numbers that the Braves produced were underachieving. I'll give you a little bit of example. The exit velocity and batting average of balls in play. For the Phillies, the exit velocity was... Bottom five in the league after that series. Short sample size, but stick with me. However, the batting average of balls in play was top five for the Phillies. So they weren't hitting the ball hard, but they were getting rewarded for for it. Now the Braves were hitting the ball hard, as you can see with the exit velocity that led the league. However, the batting average of balls in play was bottom two in the league. And Bowman wrote an article that was talking a little bit more specifically about this. The expected batting average of the Phillies, 249. Their batting, actual batting average in that series, 260. Now, let's look at the Braves' expected batting average. They had an expected batting average of 228, which is understandable when you have a game like Wheeler where you only get one hit and they really didn't hit the ball too hard that game. However, even with that, the actual batting average was a full 100 points lower at 128. Now, let's look at slugging. The expected slugging of the Phillies was 375 the actual slugging of the phillies 344 you know that's that's pretty decent i don't think that um, that deviation is too far off however let's look at the the braves the expected slugging was 440 70 points higher than the expected slugging of the phillies however The actual slugging of the Braves in that series was 223, a full 200 points below. That's almost saying that a full two bases were given up in various things over the course of those games where those things could have been given up. That is a huge deviation. And when you think about the bell curve and the law of averages, everything will even out. And that's what you see on Friday in the Braves' home opener when the Braves mollywhopped the Phillies 8-1. to Acuna's on fire right now, hitting the ball extremely hard. But Albies will hit the ball hard. Ozuna hit the ball hard. Freddie got his first home run. In that game yesterday, the Braves had at least eight hits with an exit velocity over 100 miles per hour. And as the season will go on, these things will most definitely even out. And the reason I'm slipping on these Phillies fans is because apparently they haven't learned a damn thing about things in the past. In 2019, they went out, got Bryce Harper. They put a lot of money. They made some big trades. Got Rio Muto. And how did that work out for them? They started that season absolutely whooping the Braves. Sweeping them. That season, they ended up 500. And for the Braves, they won their second at least title. After starting 12-10, and they ended up winning 97 games. So don't be too quick to judge how a team works in the first series of a season. And especially if you look at the numbers, it is an indication that the Braves will continue to hit the ball hard But the actual team that needs to work on their hitting is actually the Philadelphia Phillies. You're listening to The Slip with Brennan Baird. All right, all right. It's time to get into a little bit of Falcons talk. As the NFL draft season continues to be in full force. And draft season is really just a whole bunch of speculation from a whole bunch of people that really don't know What the hell is going to happen? I feel like there is only one guarantee. And that is Jacksonville is going to take Trevor Lawrence number one overall. After that, we don't know what the hell is going to happen. And draft season is full of, oh, this team is going to do this and win the Super Bowl. And this team is going to do this. And it's like, okay, you don't know. No one knows. The teams probably don't even know. You know, especially right after the Super Bowl, when you have a good three months until there actually is the NFL draft. No one knows what's going to happen. You know, it doesn't even make sense to do mock drafts until after free agency. And free agency is still within its second wave. However, what I want to do today is kind of go over the options of the Falcons. And kind of tell you the pros and cons of each one. And I'll also give you what I hope the Falcons will do um, based on what I think will be the most beneficial moving forward and what will help the franchise the most. So the Falcons have four choices uh, within the number four pick of what they can actually do. Um, two of those are actual players I'll talk about two of those are actual just things that they could do um, and the first one of that is they can trade back uh, what that will do it will help out the cap a little bit even though the Falcons still need to do some restructuring or extend someone hopefully Grady Jarrett gets a static, so a little bit of cap will get freed up So that they can actually sign the people that they are going to draft. The Falcons have a a handful of draft picks. As well as high draft picks. Which means with the NFL. Means that there's going to be a certain amount of slotted money. That they will have to pay based on the pick that is given. So with the number one overall pick. Of course you get the highest salary with the number four you get the fourth highest salary if you're the 52nd pick you get the 52nd highest salary which I mean at at that point it's it's a structured range and a little bit of negotiation but within that first round those first four years are on the books and then the clubs have that option to pick up the fifth year Now, if they trade back, what I hope that they will do with that is to actually build up the defense. Um, What that will do is hopefully allow them to get a mid-grade guy, you know, in the middle to mid-late. You know, maybe some defensive line help. um, Maybe they uh, get some safety help. Something like that. so that you can start building that depth of the defense as well as build the depth of that defensive line that has perennially struggled to get after the quarterback, no matter how many first-round draft picks they have used on trying to get people that can get after the quarterback. And this also helps manage the cap a little bit. It lowers the cap hit of that first-round pick I don't know how much substantially, but every dollar counts when the Braves are in, or not the Braves, the Falcons are in such a cat stranglehold that they will be in this year, that they will be in next year, and probably will be in the year after that. So with that being said, here are the cons of that. They won't be able to build the O-line. And they won't be able to get a QB of the future. Now, the O-line is more of a problem than getting the QB of the future. Because we have seen that you can't get a QB of the future in the late first round. Like a Lamar Jackson. I don't think there's going to be Russell Wilsons coming out (laughs) too much. As he was uh, picked in the uh, second or third round. But it is definitely possible. You do not have to pick in the top five of the NFL draft. To get a franchise QB. We see a Patrick Mahomes. He was picked 12th overall. However. There's a good bit of options. Or at least a. A plethora of options. We don't know if they're going to be good or not. Um, And typically there's only about three quarterbacks drafted in the first round. An average of that. And right now they're thinking that it's going to be at least five QBs going in the top 15 picks of this draft. And that's a lot. That is definitely above the mean. So we will see. You know, it's definitely an odd draft in terms of of prospects, uh, QB prospects, but that doesn't mean that they have to do this now and that will damage their future as they will be holding on to Matt Ryan for at least the next two years. And I think that's going to work out fine because Matt Ryan has shown that he can continue to do things. However, we have seen that that O-line has struggled for a little bit and whether it's getting being able to take pressure off Matt Ryan by being able to run the ball. Or it's just making sure that he has enough time to hit those that receiving core that is still top five in the league with Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones. You know? That is something that is going to be having to be looked at and hopefully that can be strengthened up in some other way if they do end up trading back. Now the next thing that they do can do is get a QB. And what this does is get an eye for the future. And what the and you can still build the defense with depth by the second round pick, the third round pick, the couple of fourth round picks, the three fifth round picks. You can't get depth options within the defense. And the thing is, you know, there may be some people saying, well, drafting a QB isn't going to help improve the defense. Well, there's no one in the first round that's going to help improve this defense overnight. That's why you need depth. And that's why you got to continue to build with what you can do. There's never going to be a team... That drafts one defensive player and it changes around a perennial top or bottom five defense. It's just not going to happen. The Falcons have the pieces to build up a good enough defense. Which they had when they went to the Super Bowl in 2016. They did not have a top 15 defense. But they did have a good enough defense. And with this... That's why the Falcons still have a good enough offense. That if they have a good enough defense to go with that offense that can be a top 10 offense. That means the Falcons can be able to win games. And be able to actually make a good playoff push. However. If they're not drafting a Q. If they draft a QB, that means other offensive help trying to build up that strength is not going to be there, which gets into my third choice of drafting Kyle Pitts, the tight end out of Florida. Right now, that is one of the best offensive prospects that's in a draft. That's not a QB. And even compared to the QBs, he still may be a number two offensive prospect. Now, teams are, of course, are going to go all over those QBs. However, if you put Kyle Pitts within that Falcons offense, and if they're able to protect Matt Ryan, that can be a lethal offense. Because we have seen, time and time again, how having a tight end that's able to stretch that field that's able to become a de facto number one wide receiver and in this offense he would be the number three guy who on any other team could be a number one guy if they're saying he is the prospect that he is that's going to make the Falcons a really tough offense to play against and once again it goes back to my last point That if your offense is good and your offense is top 10, all you need is a good enough defense and a good enough scheming and making sure you aren't blowing those big leads. And the final thing that the Falcons can do is draft the offensive lineman, Panay Sewell, out of Oregon. And the thing about Panay Sewell is that he's an extremely athletic guy. He's a big guy that's athletic. You know, probably the best offensive lineman in this draft. And if they draft him, they can slide him into that that left guard position. And make that stability for the future. Because right now, the Falcons already have three guys who are already in the plans for a good bit of time with being with Jake Matthews with um Lindstrom, as well as McGarry. We'll see how um that center that was drafted this previous year how he steps in if he will step in for that center spot. But I think That the options look pretty good if they're able to do that. However, the cons of that. No QB of the future for the Falcons. And I guess this can be kind of a neutral grade. Is that they won't be able to get Cal Pitts. However, if you make that offensive line stable. It will help those other weapons that the Falcons have flourish. Now what do I hope that the Falcons will do? It's either one or two things. I don't think you could go wrong with either one. But these are the only two things that I want. I hope that they either draft Justin Fields. Who I think can grow into a great player. Who will fit wonderfully into today's NFL. Or they draft Kyle Pitts. Who can make this offense extremely lethal and play to the strengths of the Falcons you're listening to the slip with Brandon Baird all right party people it's time to get into the quick hits where I'll go over the Hawks Atlanta United and Atlanta first let's start off with the Hawks who are 28 and 25 good for fifth in the Eastern Conference right now um it's going to be interesting. After a okay start, then an extreme slide, and, and an extreme winning streak, they've kind of now found their groove a little bit. However, they've been a little bit hurt. It's going to be interesting to see how this works because right now they are tied with, in a virtual tie with the fourth overall team, the Charlotte Hornets. Um, they have a game up on them in the win column, but they also have a loss up on them. And three games separate the fourth seed from the ninth seed, which is a playing game. So it's definitely gonna be interesting. But you know, it's good to see the Hawks um, you know, being in contention. Um, you know, hopefully uh they'll get John Collins back within a week. Hopefully they're resting DeAndre Hunter, you know, whose knee um had to be Um, Worked on a little bit of non-surgical procedure. Um, Hopefully, he'll be able to bounce back. Cam Reddish has been out for a while. You know, he's probably going to be out for another two to four weeks, according to Shams of The Athletic. You know, he's still dealing with the Achilles. And, you know, when it comes to Achilles, you got to watch out for that, as we did see with Kevin Durant. Um, but for the for the Hawks to continue to be winning games when some of their players that they were expecting to depend on have been out is definitely a good sight. I think Trey Young continues to ball. Um, I think Clint Capella has been a big boost. We're seeing Bogdan Bogdanovich really start to come in, and then that dude Capella is really balling. And I think with him in the lineup, just brings another dimension that they'll keep moving. Let's move on to Atlanta United. They won a 1-0 game in the CONCACAF Champions League against a Costa Rican team that I will not disrespect by trying to pronounce their name. Um, the second leg is Tuesday. They will not have Guzon. You know, they will not have that guy Brad in goal because he did get a red card um, due to trying to uh, come out of goal and protect the goal. Um, ended up going for the ball, but really took out the uh, player. And that led to a bad pass that started with, I think, Ezekiel Barco. Um However, that man, Rocco Rios Novo, the 18-year-old loan out of Argentina. Um, came in and immediately was put in the fire. Got a good save on a really close free kick. Ended up getting five other saves on the night to finish up the clean sheet for the Atlanta United. And I'm really excited about Atlanta United. And, you know, they may end up getting a full segment um, if they continue to play um, as well as they did and as good and exciting as they looked. Um, on this past Tuesday night in, this, in the first game of the CCL, as my man Niles Parham did say, Oh my God, we are good again. All right, let's get into Atalanta. They are currently fourth in the Serie A. They are two points above Napoli and one, pint, one point behind Juventus. Um, you know that boy Louis Muriel, who's leading the team in goals, has been bawling out of his mind. He has worked his way into the starting role, and he, one reason why he's worked into the starting role is because that man Joseph Ilisic needs to get back into form. He needs to get into that form that was. You know, where he was balling last season, I think, you know, he was a little bit sick and he was a little bit injured and, you know, he really hasn't found his groove. However, Luis Muriel has put this team on the back. Duvon Zapata continues to ball out as usual, continues to be that force in the middle. Uh, We should be getting Hans Hotteborer back, who plays that right wing back, that defensive right mid kind of position. But that man who was a transfer uh, in the winter, Joaquin Mao, has been uh, putting on uh, for the team and actually was able to score in uh, the international break. So hopefully he will continue to progress for the team and hopefully, the, uh, hopefully Atalanta will continue their win streak against Fiortina tomorrow on ABC. This is The Slip with Brandon Baird. Now it's time to get into my final thoughts. An NFL player was involved in a murder-suicide in South Carolina Wednesday night to Thursday morning. Dr. Robert Leslie, Barbara Leslie, Ada Leslie, Noah Leslie, and James Lewis were all killed as a sixth was hospitalized. Philip Adams had a five-year career in the NFL, one of those being with the Falcons. ESPN did not cover this well, as they seemed to be more interested in promoting the good of the NFL than the bad. However, this was not the only shooting that was done by an NFL player in that same 24 hour period. And here's my problem with the ESPN's reporting of this that questions their journalistic integrity. You cannot say that you care about mental illness when aspects like this, which will continue to be an issue, get swept under the rug. This has been a slip for Brandon Barrett.